It's Wednesday, June 27th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are joined by Josh Caldwell, who is the director of our international ministry. And Josh, part of his uh, oversight is over international adoption. He oversees as well our unadopted and our orphan care ministry. But a big piece of the role is overlooking our international adoption ministry. And so as we think even this week specifically about adoption and international adoption, I know one of the biggest obstacles many times to families is funding. They they think about all the resources it will take first just to go through the adoption journey. And then after that, they've got to raise this child. And so uh, one of the ways that Lifeline wants to serve and equip families is to help them think about financing their adoption and to look for ways and creative ways to finance their adoption. And so this is really part two. Uh, back in the first part of this month, we had Rich Metcalf from Life Song for Orphans come and talk specifically about grants and matching grants. But today, I just wanted Josh to come on and kind of broadly let's look over other ways to help fund adoption. But first, Josh, will you tell your personal story? Because I know when the Lord first called you and Stacy to adopt, and y'all have now adopted twice. Moses, who you adopted from Uganda, and Richardson, who you adopted from Haiti. You didn't come in with a nest egg of resources, and so you've had to fundraise in creative ways for both of those adoptions. So first, just tell a little bit about your personal story and financing your own adoption. Yeah, thanks, Irby. Um In our first adoption, we were adopting um, both Stacy and I. Um, we're working um, through that adoption, but we had made the decision that once we finished, completed our adoption, that Stacy would no longer work. And so what we decided to do, um, knowing that finances were going to be a challenge, uh, we decided to figure out how to best cut back our expenses and find ways that we could save throughout our process and then be able to divert as much financial resources um, as possible toward our adoption. And so for our family, um, we had we didn't have children uh, in the home. And so we um, already and so this was our first uh, time to have a child through adoption. And we decided that it would be best to just cut back as much as possible. And what we a couple practical things we did, we actually um, downsized our house. Um, it just felt like we were in too much of a house for the time that we needed to work through our adoption. We also cut off our cable. Um, we haven't had cable since we started our adoption. And, you know, people uh, kind of looked at us funny. We were, uh, you know, telling our friends the things that we were doing, but we really were felt like that we were committed um, to, to figuring out the best way to do this. So sacrifice was something that we felt like we needed to do. And so on our part, we felt like we needed to change some of the things that we were doing in our monthly budget in order to, to better put ourselves in a place where we could move forward. And then Julie Gum uh, is an author of a book called You Can Adopt Without Debt. And one of the things that she says at the very beginning of that book is that it all starts with sacrifice. And I think that's really important and it really hit home with our story that um, which that doesn't make us any uh, any better than any other family that's working through this. But at the time, we really felt the Lord leading us to sacrifice things that we were spending money on to be able to put us in a better place. And so what we did was we ended up are able to save lots of my wife's salary in order to put it toward our adoption. Then we were able to apply for grants 
and loans um, throughout that process in order to get us finished. And then the second time around, we did have a child in the home. We did have had changed jobs. My wife was not working. So we were in a completely different place. And a lot of times this is the place that families are in that come to us with adoption. Second time around, we have lots of expenses on our plate because we have a child that's in school and we're working through what that looks like. So we had to fundraise from the very beginning. The first thing we did was did a yard sale uh, a lot of people uh, chuckle when we say we did a yard sale to get started because, you know, yard sales normally don't make very much money. But what we did is partner with a local nonprofit in Birmingham that helped us uh, get things for our yard sale. And so we ended up having a whole yard full of items that we could sell that were not ours. So the church, the community of Christ came around our family and brought things to our house. And we raised twenty four hundred dollars in our first yard sale, which would allow us to get started in the process our second time around. And then through that, being able to find ways that we could apply for grants and uh, and find uh, fundraising resources that would be out there. My wife, our second time around, started a small business on the side where she could sew in our home and sell those products to raise money. We let people know that's what we were doing. We let people know that it would be for a short time. And for about two years or two and a half years, she ran this business on the side. We went to um, to craft shows and to markets and things and sold the things that she was sewing to help pay for our adoption. So one of the, the points, Herbie, I think in this whole thing is, is, or two points really for us, for our family, is that it did start with sacrifice years ago when we started the process. And then as it rolled into the second, we had to have multifaceted ways to fundraise our adoption. I don't think anybody can put all their eggs in one basket and say, we're going to raise all of our funds because of one thing, but we had to find lots of different ways to have income stream into help financing our adoption. Yeah. And so you've mentioned several of those just now in some of those grants and matching funds. And certainly we've heard life song and rich tell a little bit about that, but just broadly talk to us about those options for funding. So what, what are those options for a family that's going, okay, I'm going to have to fundraise. I'm going to have to to get engaged with some creative ways to adopt without debt. Yeah. What Broadly, what are some of those, those ways? So there's five main ways um, that people find uh, fundraising options, and one is direct grants. And direct grants, um, let me just go over them real quick. Direct grants, matching grants, then loans, fundraisers, and employer benefits. And so direct grants are one of those things, Herbie, where it goes directly to the agency which you're adopting from. So you'll go and you'll apply for this grant, you get approved for the grant, and then there's a time frame normally on when they'll send that to your agency, but they will send that to your agency to pay directly for funds um, that are uh, that are due at that agency. And there are lots of direct grant agencies out there, and we'll talk about some of those. But matching and fundraising grants is what Rich talked about, where you are apply and you're approved for a grant, and then the the granting entity will actually match what you fundraise. So you go out and raise money first, and then they will help match you with the amount of money that you raise based on what you're approved for. So matching grants and direct grants are very, very crucial to families that are wanting to adopt. And lots of our families are able to get some of those those grants. Uh, a couple other things are adoption loans. Um, uh, we always encourage people. This is something that you can uh, do. And a lot there are a couple of organizations that do this as a ministry. They're not banks, but they do this as a ministry, and they will help. Uh, give you a loan at the end of your process to help you finish the process and then set you up on a plan where you can pay them back, which then they recycle those funds to other families. 
Um, the last two things are fundraising and employer benefits. And fundraising is something that every family will be a part of at some point. And there are lots of ways to fundraise. I mentioned one, which was a garage sale. There's lots of other ways, things like selling jewelry and t-shirts, things like hosting events and all those type of things that you can do for fundraising. But fundraising is something that every family will be a part of at some point, most likely in their process. And then the last thing that I mentioned is employer benefits. Lots of employers out there have benefits for families that are adopting. So you want to check in with your employer to see if your employer may be helping you do that. And so some employers will help through time off. Some employers will help through financial matching and some employers will help through a grant that they have. Um, and so there's lots of options there for employer benefits as well. Yeah. And so great opportunities to start this journey of funding your adoption. Uh, lots of different ways to do that. And that's that's the neat thing, right, Josh, is that, that there's a lot of creative ways to do this. You talked about some of the creative ways that you and Stacy had. And, and obviously through some of these things, the fundraising, the loans, the grants, we've talked about other, just a, a plethora of ways to get started in funding your adoption. But go a little specific. So, you know, certainly... We're not saying this is an exhaustive list, but if we were going to say, hey, here's some organizations or here's some specifics from those broad categories of ways we've seen families have success and specifically lifeline families have success. How would you say, "Okay, get your notepad and your pen ready. Here's some that you need to jot down. Yeah. And here's I will. As you're getting your notepad ready and you're getting your pen ready, I'll give you a couple of just tips that I that I like to tell people ahead of time. And the first thing is. Don't wait too long to plan out your fundraising uh, plan because or your funding plan, because I think a lot of times people will think I can. Oh, I'm going to get these grants. I'm going to apply for them. I'm going to fundraise. And then they get too far in the process and then they're not able to complete some of those those plans that they wanted to do. So I would really encourage you at the very beginning of your process. And if you're not at the beginning of your process, it's OK. It's not too late to do that, but to really make a plan of, uh, and just jot it down, just take a few minutes and jot it down. And here's a sample plan of what I would say. I said, do a fundraiser first as you're getting started, do something like a yard sale, something that's a one-off one day kind of thing. Then I would create a t-shirt or sell some jewelry, find something you can do kind of ongoing. Those are two major things. And then find the grants that you can apply for, because Herbie, one of the big things is that you can't apply for grants or loans through these organizations unless you have a home study. That's pretty much across the board. There are a few exceptions to that, but we want to encourage families to have their home study complete. But here's a here's a tip. And this is one of those things that that I really encourage families to do is start to apply and fill out that paperwork prior to your home study being complete so that when your home study is complete, you're able to put all that paperwork together and send it off. If you wait till after your home study is complete, then it may be a month or six weeks after that before you're able to send those off. Then you're a little bit behind the ball on on getting some funding opportunities out there. So think about the plan first of so fundraising. What grants are you going to apply for? If you're going to apply for a loan and obvious and obviously your employer benefits, all those things need to be done really on the front end and making a writing, writing down your, your action plan. So here's a couple of very specific things with direct grants. I would, if I was you and you're out there, here's some great organizations. One of them is Show Show Hope, which is formerly Shohanna's Hope. You can go to showhope.org. Show Hope is a great direct grant organization. You apply with them. Once you get approved, they send that money directly to your agency to help pay for um, adoption expenses. Another one is a Child's Wake Foundation and the JSC Foundation. 
those two foundations are, are similar in the way they uh, give grants out. You apply with them and then they will um, let you know when um, their applications are due and then they'll send money directly to the agency. So those are three right there. There are many more um, Forever Families Foundation, Gift of Adoption, uh, Families Outreach Foundation. There's lots of foundations. You can find all of these on our website if you go to lifelinechild.org click what we do and then there's a button that says fund your adoption and you can find these resources there but there's a, those are a few direct grants as far as matching grants one of the ones that we always talk about is life song for orphans go back to the podcast um, from rich metcalf and you can learn lots about what that looks like so we're not going to spend too much time there but but matching grants from life song for orphans so the next group that we talked about was adoption loans. What does adoption loans look like? I'm going to give you three things that you can write down. One is ABBA Fund. ABBA Fund is a partner of Lifeline, and we've seen a lot of families utilize this, where they will give loans for a certain percentage of your uh, adoption to help you get through the end, the travel phase, and to the end of your process. They will actually also help you keep an account open for a while after your adoption is finalized in case you have medical expenses and things that you're paying for your child to get evaluated and things once they come home. ABBA Fund is a great tool for that. LifeSong that we talked about also does adoption loans. And then another loan partner is actually a bank, which is a credit union, the American Christian Credit Union. They also do adoption loans. So you can talk to them. And so ABBA Fund, LifeSong for Orphans and Adoption Loans. So the last two things are employer benefits and fundraising. When I hit more on fundraising, because this is one of those places that we want you to find some great partners out there. One of those partners is called Fund the Nations. Fund the Nations is a group that helps you design and sell a t-shirt, um, giving you good high quality t-shirts and, and showing you how you can use that to as a fundraiser for your adoption. So Fund the Nations. Another one is Compelled Designs, which is a jewelry making business um, that helps families by doing consignment jewelry sales. And it's really important and a great way that you can do that. The other ones that I mentioned earlier were a garage sale. Get your community, get your church involved, get your small group, even your street. We have a story, Herbie, of a family in Kentucky that got their whole street to do a yard sale on the same day, and all the proceeds went to their adoption. It was an incredible opportunity there. Um, you can host like a like a concert or some type of food event, too. There's all kind of fundraising opportunities, but wanted to specifically say yard sales, garage sales, fund the nations, and compelled designs. Those are some great opportunities. And the last thing is about employer benefits. You can go to the DaveThomasFoundation.org, um, and they have a, a, a link there called Become a Adoption-Friendly Workplace. This link is actually for the workplace. It's actually for the businesses, but they have a listing there of people that do uh, employer benefits for adoption. So you can check that out at the Dave Thomas Foundation. Um, they have some great things there. So there's just lots of opportunities, uh, lots of very specific things. I'll hit one more time. You can go to our website, go to uh, lifelinechild.org, click what we do. And then at the bottom of that, it says fund your adoption. And you will find about 25 or 30 different organizations there that are helping to fund adoptions. And that'd be a great place to start. Yeah, and so that's just some great information. And certainly, you can always go back to our website. A lot of this information is there, but, but really giving some of these specifics is good. Just so, too, these aren't just organizations and websites, but, but folks can know, okay, if I'm looking specifically for this, this is where I can go. And, and then just uh, we want to talk a little bit more as well about a tax credit. A lot of states give tax credits, but specifically a federal tax credit. 
Josh, but but before that, just quickly uh, talk a little bit about Julie's book, Adopt Without Debt, because I know that's also just another great resource. Yeah, and so you can go to Amazon and find this book by Julie Gum, uh, and it's called Adopt Without Debt. Um, it is a great resource. It is one of those things that really has helped a lot of families. She goes into great detail about all the things that we just uh, we just talked about. So she takes each of those topics and she breaks them down, talks about creative ways to cover the cost of adoption through applying for these grants, through making a budget even. Um, she was featured on the Dave Ramsey show. I mean, Julie has some great insight and great resources on how to do this. She's seen families raise $40,000 and $50,000 for their adoption and uh, through her system. And so I think Adopt Without Debt is a great place to start. You can actually go to her website too, juliegum.com. It's J-U-L-I-E-G-U-M-M.com, juliegum.com and learn more. So let's, let's briefly talk about the federal adoption credit. And so uh, depending on what 50 states you may reside in, a lot of states do have specific state credits. And some of those are just for foster care. Some of those do include domestic or international adoption. Uh, some of those are a little bit harder to get than the federal tax credit and have uh, some phase outs that are, are a little bit more rigorous. But certainly uh, one thing that will affect every listener is the federal adoption credit. And so, uh, Josh, talk a little bit about the federal credit and, and just how folks go about getting that and what does that really mean? Yeah, and one of the first things, Herbie, we tell people is to definitely talk to a tax professional. It's just a really good place to start. Even if you don't uh, normally talk to a tax professional, this is a good opportunity for you just to get some advice on how best to go about filing that. But um, the adoption tax credit really um, goes toward qualified adoption expenses and especially in intercountry adoption, um, which I'm, uh, I oversee at Lifeline. There are lots of qualified adoption expenses, things like adoption fees, attorney fees, court costs, adoption agency um, fees that you pay, travel-related expenses. There's so many things that go toward um, what qualified adoption expenses are. And in 2016, this credit was $13,570. And in 2017, it was renewed for that same amount. Um, and so we'll see as it goes forward in years to come what that amount will be. But it'll be a, we anticipate it being around that $13,000 mark Um which is a, a tax credit. And um, it's just a really important thing to remember. Um, it does take some time to get that because it is not a refund. Like if you read blogs and things and you see people talk about a tax refund, the refund is not currently in order, but it is a tax credit. So it does take you a little bit of time to receive that over, um, but it is an important thing to funding your adoption. Yeah. And so again, I just would stress the importance of getting a tax professional, having someone that will walk you through that, and then also interviewing tax professionals because not all tax professionals are aware of the adoption tax credit, but it's a great resource for families and it really will help you with your adoption. So just closing out, Josh, what are some other additional ideas or tidbits or pointers yep. that you would leave us with today? Yeah, and just a couple of additional things that uh, is, I mentioned this in our story is 
craft shows and farmers markets. Just finding there's craft shows and farmers markets are popping up all over the country, you know, and finding something that you could go out there and, and sell. But it's not just about selling. I think that's the thing that I want to hit home here is just like a T-shirt. I was talking to Bubba Crowder, the president of uh, Fund the Nations, and he tells me this story, you know, about how this is not just about a T-shirt. This is um, this is bigger than a T-shirt. This is about a biblical community. It's about people coming around and surrounding you as a family. So when you go to craft shows and farmers markets and things like that, you're not just going to sell something. You may make a hundred dollars. You may make five hundred dollars. You may make a thousand dollars. But really, it's about building your list of emails, like have a list out there where people can get updates from you, sharing about adoption, telling other people about what you're doing. That is an opportunity to share the gospel. It's an opportunity to share about adoption. It's an opportunity to get people to surround you. Another thing, which this is difficult for a lot of families, is getting a second job of some kind. I've heard of families doing this, though, where they do something on the side, like somebody that understands about sound and uh, lighting, you know, doing that on the side for weddings and things like that, or somebody that um, is is a teacher and trying to find some tutoring opportunities. So there's other opportunities out there to get something on the side during your process that would give you a little extra income to help pay for your adoption. And then one other thing is substitute teaching. We have a lot of families that will do um, either a stay-at-home mom or somebody that's working while their kids are in school and able to do just one day a week or two days a week and able to substitute teach to get a little extra income in there for their family. But in all of this, I would encourage you again, make a plan, write out your plan, start early in the process and find some of these additional ideas that you can do to put an extra stream of income. Don't just put all your eggs in one basket, but really diversify your opportunities for uh, for funding and try to find lots of things that will pour finances into your adoption process. Well, wow. all of this is just such great information, but I think a lot of reasons, this is why as a ministry, Lifeline is committed to also raising funds to undergird, to keep the cost of adoption low, but also to help scholarship our families and to help our families that are going through the process. And so right now, going on through this summer, we've actually had some donors that have graciously agreed to help scholarship families. And so if you're interested in learning more about pursuing adoption through Lifeline, well, give us a call. Our goal, like we said, is to support missional families in whatever way possible. And so this summer, we're offering $300 scholarships off the first agency fees for families who are new to our international adoption programs. And if you will enter the code, all caps, DEFEND, D-E-F-E-N-D, on your pre-application, we will qualify you for one of those scholarships for your families. And so we're grateful for those families that have gone before you who have agreed generously to give into the scholarship fund, our Hope Adoption Scholarship Fund. And then, of course, uh, last week we had our first annual giving day. And through those proceeds, a lot of those proceeds help us be able to scholarship families. And so if you're interested in applying this summer and you want to claim one of these $300 scholarships, if you will enter the code DEFEND on your free pre-application, you will qualify for a scholarship for your family. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel for you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.